Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Hey man, thanks for your interest in today's episode, I'm Fine Syndrome with Stephen Thomas. This is one of those core issues for men outgrowing porn that comes up again and again. Today, you will learn the primary symptoms of I'm Fine Syndrome, where it comes from, how we can break free, and some powerful examples of authenticity from Stephen's story. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Husband Material. Today, after over a year, it has been too long since I have welcomed back Stephen Thomas to Husband Material. Hey, man. Hey, Drew. It's good to see you again. You too. Stephen is a certified Husband Material coach with over 14 years of sobriety who has led so, so, so many men into more healing and freedom lately, especially with what we're going to talk about today, I'm Fine Syndrome. Stephen, what is I'm Fine Syndrome? Well, I'm Fine Syndrome has a couple different meanings. Um, So in the context of relationships with others, it could be you have some sort of engagement with a friend or your spouse, and maybe something something is said hurts you, but you don't tell them. You pretend to be fine, or you even tell them I'm fine. Um, so that's one uh, side of the coin. And then the other side is not really understanding what our needs and our wants are. Not if people say, hey, what do you want? What do you want with life? And you just draw a blank. Um, that is another aspect of I'm fine syndrome. At the core of it is a lack of acknowledgement of oneself, a lack of acknowledgement that we have needs, that we have wants, and then learning how to communicate them um, or learning how to, you know, take action on them. Stephen, when you first introduced me to this concept of I'm fine syndrome, I had never heard it before. Did you come up with it? I came up with it in my mind. I've Googled it and see other people using it, but um, maybe this is just the result of me not reading enough that I never heard anybody else use it. So I can say I came up with it. (laughs) Well, regardless of the intellectual property, it seems like you have put together many of your observations of working with men to something that I think is really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, this is to the T what I've had to battle in myself. And what I regularly see men who are battling addiction deal with. Yeah. Why do you think this is so common for men who struggle with porn? Well, um, we talked about how one aspect of I'm fine syndrome is a struggle with self-awareness. It's a lack of understanding of what we want. So some guys struggle to know what they want, but they're in some kind of pain and they don't even know how to identify it. Um, porn becomes a way of soothing that. Porn offers comfort, right? So it becomes easier to just reach for something to make that pain go away rather than try to understand what it is we even want. So that's one side of it. And then the other side is the fear of vulnerability in relationships. Basically, porn is a way to isolate, and that might feel safer if you have pain from relationships. And therefore, you can go and get your needs met by yourself rather than leaning into connection with other people, which 
um, for some people, a, aka me, one who has suffered from I'm fine syndrome, um, it can be terrifying to communicate needs in relationships. And because of that, uh, porn might just feel safer uh, in the moment. And therefore, we'll turn to it to, again, make that pain go away. It's a distraction. Yeah. Stephen, what has I'm fine syndrome looked like for you? It's looked like the two things I've just stated, um, learning to identify my own wants and needs. Um, when we say, what do we need? That's a common question we teach guys to ask themselves who are struggling with porn. Hey, what is it that you really need? Um, the thing for me is I could talk myself out of needing anything. It's like, well, I'm, I have shelter, I have food, you know, I'm fine. There's that word. I'm there fine. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is um, I've learned that acknowledging and honoring want is really beautiful and powerful. Um, I find it's more powerful in my relationship with God to want him rather than to need him. That keeps me coming back. Right. It's more powerful to want to lead porn rather than to need it. I mean, the truth is need can be powerful too. And that can get guys, you know, to some freedom and some breakthrough as far as sobriety goes. But to realize that I don't want this, like I see clearly how this is hurting me. Um, it's more powerful to want health than to want. I, I like to call porn uh, the fast food of, of sex or the fast food of even connection needs. It's, here's your quick, easy fix to make your problems go away for a few minutes. Uh, and what you what we really do when we do that is we just kick down feeling our pain, either bef like we're in pain, then we'll choose porn. And then um, then there's a big low that comes after porn over like, here I am stuck again. I really want to be free from porn. So it's like you kind of can face your pain before or later. <laughs> like you can face it now or you can kick it down the road and until you have that kind of come to Jesus moment of I'm in pain right now. And I hate how stuck I feel. Yeah, it takes so much courage to say, I'm not fine. A lot of times we're afraid and ashamed of not being okay and not being fine. And of what might happen if I actually told the truth to someone who I really care about. Yeah, it could bring up rejection. Uh, we could... You, like if you have relational trauma, which is where you learn to be fine because, and you don't want people to reject you, then you're facing your trauma by saying, I'm actually not fine right now. Yeah. And we have gone through this a few times in our friendship. I think it might be helpful for people to hear about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll talk about groups later, but um, I went through your group, I guess, three years ago. Um, and, um, I came in with a lot of sobriety, but was really curious about what you were doing. Cause, um, yeah, I love the husband material approach. Um, and one of the gifts of doing the small group was that there is a group commitment to courage, which is, Hey, um, courageously speak the truth of what your experience is. Uh, that that's one aspect of what courage can mean, I should say. And that might be to lean into conflict. And that really unlocked something in me to begin practicing telling people I'm actually not fine. So um, and since then, you and I have become friends. And it's really fun because, you know, we came in uh, doing recovery work and there was so much resonance 
in our conversations. There's so much that we're just on board, right? And then as we continued to journey <clears throat> in our friendship, there became moments where it's like, oh, I realize that I have a different idea than Drew does on a topic, maybe in recovery or um, we've our friendship budded during COVID. So just being around each other during COVID, we realized we have different approaches to COVID, things like that. So I realized that for me, I need to take the courageous step of just let myself be seen and known and say, hey, I see you I'm see- and I'm learning some things about your worldview on different things. And I have no desire to argue. I have permission to be you, but I actually want to show you me and let you know that, oh, that's difficult for me because I have a diff- different viewpoint. During COVID, we had very different viewpoints on things. Yeah. And we had one of those delicate, beautiful, courageous conversations where you expressed where you were at. And I attuned to you. And then I expressed where I was at. And you attuned to me. And we didn't even argue. Like, it was Not great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we both also expressed fears about how this could affect our friendship. Absolutely. If we have such opposite views, we had fears about how the other person would perceive us or where things would go. Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, you know, COVID was a really divisive time for our country, for the world, for Christians. There was a lot of Christians just on different views of things. And for me, it was, again, me breaking I'm fine syndrome was purely about me showing up and saying, I'm here. And one way I like to describe relational health is that we allow ourselves to take equal space in the room as others. So it's like, hey, I've seen you and I've seen you express yourself and that's fine. I want to express myself too because we've kind of, we've committed to close friendship. And I have seen in our friendship and the groups that we've been through how you saying I'm not fine or there's something that I need to share has created relational health in the group. It's like you're giving everybody permission to not be fine. Thank you. And you're right, though, because then we have an opportunity to be authentic. And authentic is really the word that has been on my heart more than anything in this season of life. Underneath authenticity is vulnerability. If the opportunity to be authentic isn't there, especially in a small group setting, is people withdraw over time. You know, so if you're looking at a symptom, if you're wondering if you struggle with I'm fine syndrome, if you're not sure if you do, um, one great one is do you regularly feel disconnected in your relationships over time? Maybe you start off with lots of resonance, but then there's a drifting that happens. And maybe it's your lack of vulnerability that is causing your relationship to go distant or the lack of the vulnerability of your friend is causing the relationship to go distant. Um, I would, I guess I've learned that I would rather a relationship be distant because we realize, hey, we have different values or belief systems and we bless each other to chase that. And it might mean that we're not going to be as close because then I'm being true to myself. But the pain of hiddenness and lying, pretending to be fine is like, ah, I can't do it anymore. So in other words, you would rather be totally authentic with somebody, even if it means you end up going separate ways. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Like, cause like, for example, that hasn't happened with us. We've worked through the fact that we have different values and we're okay with it, but 
the reality is, is if something is on your heart, you know, that I have, I don't know, opposition to, I don't know what word to use there, but I don't want to prevent you from chasing your dreams. Like I also am comfortable <laughs> that my way, my viewpoint of the world isn't, completely representative of God's way. Like we all see in part, the Bible says. So I have the humility to realize that like, I don't see the whole picture and I don't want to block people from chasing their dreams and being authentic. I, I We want relationships where people choose us because they want us. Remember the power of want, not because they have to be friends with us. You know, we feel that when it feels like somebody is supposed to be there. It's, it feels inauthentic. It doesn't feel as life-giving. That's so good. And the irony is we actually agree on like almost everything. There are just a few things that always come up in any relationship with a friend, family member, or significant other that always cause friction. They always cause rupture. There will always be a rupture in any relationship. But will there be repair? Will there be the courage to lean into conflict with curiosity and compassion. And if there is, then you can actually experience connection. So we've talked about pleasing and appeasing as part of I'm fine syndrome, not really being authentic, seeing our relationships slowly drift apart. What are some other symptoms of I'm fine syndrome? This is kind of a funny one to me, but, um, and I kind of touched base on it, but if you suffer from I'm fine syndrome, you may get mad when you're around people who don't. So again, if your spouse is speaking to you the, uh, that she's not fine and you're mad, get over it. Like if you dismiss yourself, yes, you dismiss others too. You're telling them, bury it just like I do. <laughs> no one would make this problem go away. So if you just decided to be okay, if you could just be fine. And there's that evil four-letter word, fine. Yes, the Christian F word. It is. That's a great symptom. If you find yourself upset when people show up with needs, that is a symptom of I'm fine syndrome. Uh, some other syndromes, again, are not knowing what you want. Um, again, if you, I said if you dismiss yourself, you dismiss others. I think some of us are so used to dismissing what we want that we we lose sight of what we want. And it could be little things. It could be, hey, where do you guys want to go for dinner? And you're just like, oh, whatever you guys want. And if you never have an opinion, Here's the sad thing about that. It's, this might hurt, but I feel like this is like good pain to realize is if you're the person who never has an opinion or never expresses a want, there's almost a dullness to people who are like that, that makes them uh, unenjoyable. It's like, I actually want to know you, but you don't have a personality. You know, if a person doesn't ever express wants and needs, that's a, another symptom of I'm fine syndrome. Stephen, it really hurts my heart to think about the times when I felt that. But like, you can't tell someone. I've told friends of mine, stop being blah. I have. I've said like, no, you have an opinion. Like, show up, buddy. Like, I, I, I want this for you, you know? So good rapport with people. They know you're for them, right? And there's a way to deliver a message <laughs> that could either be harmful or helpful. But uh, yeah, um, at, there's people that you'll meet and you'll realize, oh, they have a dullness to them. And I don't get judgy about it. It's just more like, yeah, they're struggling. That that comes from pain in their past that, you know, we're going to talk about where this comes from a little later. But it's just that awareness. I'm not going to beat people up, but you could you just pick up on it. And again, 
I don't judge because like that was me. That was me to the T. This is what I've been battling for years. Yeah, we have to unlearn I'm fine syndrome because we did learn it somewhere. Where does I'm fine syndrome come from? Um, there's a lot of places, actually. Uh, family systems is always huge, right? Family systems imprint on us how we view the world. So maybe you grew up in a family where you weren't allowed to be sad or mad. Um, you didn't do emotions. So again, you weren't taught to sort of receive your emotions and communicate about them. You were taught to dismiss them. That can definitely create a person who struggles with I'm fine syndrome. An another component of family systems is maybe your mother um, didn't do nurture well. So again, I talked earlier about honoring want. So um, my wife has been such a great person in my life to help demonstrate the opposite of I'm fine syndrome. But, you know, if one of my, if my little two-year-old, if we're like running out the door and she, he's like sad because he doesn't have his stuffed animal, I would think, oh, he's going to be fine. He'll get over it. But she'll be like, oh, he wants his stuffed animal. And basically she's saying just because you want it is enough. So I want to give you that. That's powerful, man. That's really powerful. To just say, just because you want it, that's enough. Yes, let's go get his stuffed animal. Let's slow things down. Whenever possible, whenever I have a chance to give you something that you want, I'm going to jump on it. Yeah, and depending on your background, you might have grown up in a family that was kind of the very opposite of that. There's a wisdom to know when it's enabling unhealth or when it's actually enabling intimacy. I think in the context we're talking about with like a two or three-year-old, I think you're just, again, imprinting on them that wants are good and you can communicate about that. There's times, obviously, that our kids say, I want another popsicle. <laughs> and we will, we'll just communicate, oh, too many will make your stomach hurt. You know, so we'll say no. But again, it's not saying, well, if you don't need it, if you don't, you don't need it. Like you have a roof over your head. You're, you're fine. You know what I mean? We're not teaching them to dismiss communicating about what they want. And I think that's maybe the fine point. Uh, we're teaching them what is health and what it isn't. The fine point. I love it. <laughs> that's good. Hearing those two examples is so helpful. Yeah. And I mean, again, if you push away want, I mean, porn is a way we're just trying to nurture ourselves. So if you grow up in a family where there's no permission to speak up for what you want, unless it's life and death, your soul actually suffers. We could even say that a need is that we honor our wants. Yeah, that's good. That's good because we do need to honor our wants. Yes. And if you grow up in a family that didn't do that, that didn't teach you that, it's okay. I do believe that's um, a world that is going to make you vulnerable for addiction, for porn addiction. Um, because again, if you can't speak up around people, it, that might be very scary for you. So you have to isolate and you're going to end up taking care of your, your want for comfort, your want to just wind down at the end of the day um, in an unhealthy way. There was a time just the other day when I was so not fine. I felt like throwing up and weeping at the same time. And we connected and almost immediately on that phone call, 
knowing that it was okay to not be okay with you, I just broke down. Yeah. And it's because we have had this trust built. You have proven yourself to be someone who welcomes deep emotions and desires. I love that, that that creates a space that you feel safe to share yourself with me, you know, to share what's going on inside with me. And that gives me connection too, because I get to experience authenticity from you and from others. And that's the beauty is you create an abundant world of connection by learning that want is okay. And we prove that whenever we show up in the redemptive risk of saying, part of me wants something to be different. I love that because then we're learning to not push away our wants. We're learning to identify and speak up and take action on our wants. Okay, so circling back to where does I'm fine syndrome come from? We've talked about family systems. What are some of the other contributors? There are unhealthy cultural expressions of masculinity um, that are in our face a lot. Uh, Culture teaches us that masculinity means that you're okay all the time and you only have strength to give. And what I would like to say to that is that um, it's good to show up as a man looking, how can I give my strength to different situations? But that's only a part of masculinity. That's not masculinity in its entirety. It is not weak to have want. It is not weak to have needs. And the other thing I would say with it is we're talking about, you know, emotional health and relational health. And sometimes I see men get stuck in wanting to provide for the family. And uh, when they use the word provision, they're thinking of food and shelter. But what if part of provision is to actually provide emotional connection? What about providing that? I mean, you hear that as the plight of wives of like, you know, they're a workaholic or, you know, they're out there. Um, or you hear of dads being away at work and never spending time with their ki- kids. So maybe you gave them a good education or food, but did you really provide for them? Maybe they just wanted you, right? So we want to get our personality back and show up for our family. Um, so I think that's another one. It's just kind of breaking that lie that saying I'm fine means I'm being a man. I think we break that lie that would help a lot of guys out. Yeah. In what you're saying, I hear the implication that people don't only care about our strength. They need our weakness. They need to see our vulnerability. They need the sides of us that we might rather hide. So good. Look at it this way. Let's provide connection. When somebody um, pretends to be perfect or have no problems, it robs connection because we all know that everybody has problems, you know, and everybody, we all know that we have problems if we're honest with ourselves. So when you're with somebody who is fine, it's hard to connect with them. So why don't you be a provider of connection? I actually think if we even take that um, and run with it, I, I, I do this work because I think this is what will make society heal. You know, I think the world is desperate for connection, right? So embracing these facets of masculinity and maybe even recognizing that, hey, to show up as a frail human being who's wrestling through stuff, 
uh, is an act of courage. And I can rest in my masculine strength that I'm being courageous and showing up honestly and authentically. I would love to see more of that. That's really what we're doing at Husband Material. 100%. So the next place is that I find syndrome comes from, um, it can be from church culture too. So uh, maybe you have tried to have faith to be okay. Like God has things taken care of. Everything is taken care of at the cross. These are messages I heard of. What happens is if we come to God pretending that we're fine, um, we can go through our times of worship, prayer, totally disconnected from the experience and miss out on our connection with God. and what I want to tell people is the truth is we serve the God of connection, a God who wanted uh, to reconnect with us so badly that he sent Jesus to endure the pain of the cross because he just wanted that connection back with humanity. Uh, so it's okay to not be okay in your relationship with God. I mean, read the Psalms. <laughs> sometimes they don't even end on a positive note. And sometimes in our relationship with God, that's just where we're at. And then we walk forward knowing I'm in pain right now. And that's okay. Psalm 88 ends with saying, the darkness is my closest friend. So there you go. There's permission to not be fine. (laughs) Yes. Biblical lament, grief, imprecatory Psalms, like God do something because this sucks right now. Yeah. That actually leads to more intimacy than coloring over or glossing over the sharp edges of our spiritual life. Yeah. And here's the thing, um, you know, one other symptom of I'm fine syndrome is perfectionism. And sometimes that's shame based. And sometimes it's hard for people who struggle with perfectionism to allow for the imperfections to be present. And actually, when you do recovery work from a I'm trying to fix myself point of view, you're partnering with shame and you're missing the point. And this is why I think most men sputter out is because you got to break that perfectionism. You have to break the relationship from shame. What's helpful when recovery works or when healing works or when it's time to encourage ourselves in the Lord and not just rest in the crap that we're in is when we realize that, you know what, I'm in a lot of pain and I don't think God wants me to be in this pain right now. He sees I'm in pain and wants something better for me in this circumstance. And sometimes just walking through with the Lord, you'll recognize when it's time to be in pain and be okay with that. And other times where it's like, I think God, God wants to bring some healing here, you know? Um, and I think that comes with wisdom as you just walk this out over time. But I'll just say that perfectionism can rob us of connection. It's a part of I'm fine syndrome. You're trying to tell the whole world you're fine so they can't reject you. That resonates. And also, as long as I'm fine, I'm not experiencing joy and delight. So I would say it's also robbing us of those things too. When we allow ourselves to not be fine and to go through sadness, anger, loneliness, really feel those things, that also creates space for joy to come on the other side. Totally. I'm smiling because as you're saying this, I bet you know what movie I'm thinking of. Oh, Inside Out. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Great movie, y'all. Go, go watch Inside Out, and that might even help you with I'm Fine Syndrome. But the point is, is that 
um, experiencing all of the emotions actually make um, make joy more beautiful. And when we pretend that the the sad emotion, anger, you know, the bad emotions, quote unquote, don't exist, um, we actually diminish joy. We diminish the power of the goodness. It's blah. It's gray. It's mediocre. Exactly. So it's a really great thing to allow all of our emotions to have a voice with us. At the heart of I'm fine syndrome is a lack of acknowledgement of oneself, which Mm. this is maybe a good segue for, you know, the last place that I'm fine syndrome comes from, which is trauma. Um, So for me, I experienced a lot of rejection and being picked on when I changed schools in third grade. And I compensated for that by learning to be a chameleon. I became what I thought others wanted me to be. I learned to push away having needs and wants in a friendship because I just wanted to be accepted. I didn't want to be difficult. I didn't want it to be difficult for others to accept me. I put having needs sort of in that category of being difficult. And this trauma made me uh, afraid to make new friends. And I cope with that pain through porn. I, I was isolated and lonely and I needed a way to get through that. And I used television, food, and porn. That's what I did. Porn was a place that I could experience the fantasy of feeling strong and assertive. Um, You know, for I wanted the strength uh, that I perceived the men in porn had. I saw them being assertive, wanting something and getting it. And I used sexually acting out as a way of getting that. It was getting an expression of strength that I believed I was lacking. Mm, That makes so much sense. It also relates to the part of your story of being used and taken advantage of by others. Absolutely. Being fine allowed me to allow myself to be treated like crap. And that showed up in friendship that showed up in a, in a situation where I experienced a degree of sexual abuse by just being fine. I want to honor and acknowledge that part of your story. Thanks, man. And I also want to celebrate how far you have come in breaking free from I'm fine syndrome and bringing others like me with you. For someone who's resonating with I'm fine syndrome, what is the first step for them to take? I think it's to recognize the pain of I'm fine syndrome. You think that I'm fine syndrome is protecting you from rejection. So it's protecting you from pain. But for me, I had to grieve the pain of how it made me feel impotent in relationships. It made me feel uh, impotent in acknowledging and honoring my dreams. Not knowing what we want, not having dreams is painful. Feeling dull or feeling like life is useless, that's painful. It's healthy to want to be assertive. Continuing with grieving, grieve the pain of the loneliness. The reality is we want connection. And not experiencing it hurts. So if you walk away from an interaction with someone and you're not authentic, you rob yourself of the opportunity for connection. So in other words, we'll spend time with people and feel lonely. Now, the reality is not every time you have to show up and share your opinion about things with people. But my point is, is if you struggle with I'm fine syndrome, you do it a lot and you you know what I'm talking about. You know that you walk away from interactions with people still feeling lonely. 
not not showing up and actually experiencing the connection. So facing the pain of like fear of rejection and versus the pain of hiding myself and what that impacts me, I just realized, like I said earlier, that I would rather show up. I would rather show up and be at peace that I feel capable, that I feel strong. Facing this fear is better than potentially being rejected for me uh, showing up as someone I'm not. So if the person that is fine is being rejected, the reality is that like Steven's not really getting rejected because it's just a facade of who Steven is. I would rather show up and be rejected for who I really am than not show who I really am. That's bold. I think if people are listening to it, they know what I'm talking about, though. It sucks. It sucks to feel so weak. It sucks to feel voiceless because we're the ones who live with ourselves all the time. At the end of the day, I can at least honor like, hey, you showed up, Stephen. You you loved yourself. You know, I friends, we'll all go back home. <laughs> we'll all part our ways at some point. So we're with ourselves all the time. So we have to we have to have a really healthy relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there's a way to be honest and kind at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yes, totally. So authenticity doesn't mean you just always share an opinion. So for example, if Drew, if you're sharing with me the other day about the pain you're in, and then I just shift the focus to what I think about the circumstance. And if I shift the focus to me, my thoughts and ideas on it, you likely won't feel connection. So I actually know that authentic Steven wants to be really good at leaning in and learning about you and being a good friend to you. So I just know that it's not time to talk about me here. Now, if I feel a need for connection, I might say, hey, Drew, is there an opportunity for you to hold some space for me? And I'll give you permission. Maybe you can or you can't in that moment. You know, and I know it. you've held space for me before, so I know it will come. You know what I mean? But the point is, authenticity isn't just always like, well, I think this. (laughs) Yeah. I'd also say that authenticity doesn't mean that telling people you're not fine doesn't have to include blame. It's not permission to be rude. It's letting people know how you are impacted by them. And that's actually really vulnerable. So being authentic, to do it well, is vulnerable. It's telling people, I feel hurt or I feel scared. Other than, you did this, you did that. You will ruin your friendships if you go in with blame. I'm specifically thinking of one time in our small group three years ago, when you had shared a really vulnerable message to the group and then no one responded. Yeah. And it was a chance to either say, oh, I'm fine. It doesn't really matter. Or to express the hurt and the sadness you felt. Yeah. I think I I just told them, hey, I'm losing excitement for the group experience of our group because I've put myself out there and nobody else has, or nobody's responded to what I've said. It makes me wonder, oh, did I come across as too much or whatever? So I just, again, I just let them know how I was impacted by it. And a lot of people came in and were apologized. I didn't come in angry. I just wanted to say, I want to let you guys know, like I find myself drifting in my connection to the group. And um, cause I, I wanted us to have an opportunity for that not to happen. That's why I showed up. This is last part that I would say, authenticity isn't it's not projecting anger or blowing up at people 
So anger is a secondary emotion that typically covers feelings like I'm hurt or I'm scared. So you, it's okay to express I'm struggling with anger, but to blow up at somebody, like, again, we want to become experts at acknowledging ourselves. So if you're in an anger trigger, that means you might need to do the work to calm down, understand what the anger is, and maybe project the underneath feelings of I'm hurt or I'm scared or I'm afraid and communicate about that when appropriate. Um, again, because if you just blow up at people, you're going to hurt people. And I hate it when people say, well, I was triggered. So that's why I did that. It's like saying, well, I only did. I only cheated on you, honey, because I was drunk. Like mm. you still cheated. You still blew up on somebody. You still need to own that. <laughs> um, so authenticity is not blowing up on people, not projecting anger. And again, this is a huge life adult skill to that will long-term build healthy, lasting relationships. I also want to talk about what authenticity is. So it's recognizing that it's okay to be in pain. It's okay to be struggling with something. It doesn't mean you're weak from an identity standpoint. It just means you are human. So recognize that you have wants and vocalize them. And this becomes important. Again, when you look at this through the lens of men who struggle with porn, is that um, so many people, so many men I work with just have no idea how to wind down from the day and they get their comfort through sexually acting out. Uh, so it's just okay to say, oh, I need to unwind. We're saying here, I'm not okay, but it's just realizing I have a need to learn how to wind day after work, after I'm going at a fast pace to come down and relax. Authenticity is recognizing that there is beauty, wholeness, and strength associated with being able to speak up for yourself. Your healthy assertiveness is going to allow you to build an incredible life. And the abundance of that life will affect others too. It's amazing. And it's like I said earlier in relationships, it's just allowing yourself to take up equal space in the room as others. So authenticity is yeah, I have a different viewpoint. Let's say you're in a room where you're discussing and it's not about like leaning into someone and connecting with their pain, but it's just, let's talk about this view. It's allowing your different viewpoint to be heard. It's not disappearing, you know, and that's healthy authenticity and that's not being dominating, you know, again, because you're thinking, oh, I just want to take up equal space. These guys have expressed their view. Here's mine. That's authenticity. Right. While being mindful also, about not taking up more space than others as well. Absolutely. And I mean, to be real, it can be a bit messy to break free from I'm fine syndrome. So if you have some friends who will tell you the truth about how they experience you, it'd be good to check in with them on that. Again, because it's okay to have problems. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay that you're breaking free from I'm fine syndrome. So yeah, it's wonderful to show up for who you are. And it actually is a blessing to the world to do that because God did a great job making you. Amen. Can you share a success story, maybe an example of healing? Well, we've already shared about how uh, in the group I've showed up as uh, one who is not fine in our friendship, uh, how I've shown up as not fine at times. And, you know, part of this is even what drove me to go public to just tell the world like, yep, part of my story is that I have struggled with same-sex attraction. It's funny because I didn't do that from a pers uh, the perspective of, oh, I want to minister to the world about this. It's just that I wanted to honor Stephen Thomas and say, I'm not shaming about your story. 
So if people don't like it, they can deal with it. <laughs> honestly. So that honestly was part of why I chose to. And the truth is not everybody's going to need to do it at that level, but I'm an extrovert. <laughs> so I just felt the need to do that for myself. And I'll say this, when you give that gift of, hey, here's my frailty, here's my pain, um, it creates so much connection. Like my wife and I are so open in our friend group about the things we've had to go through in our marriage and people just open up and there's such a gift of connection that happens and it's so beautiful. Um, so again, uh, bringing your authentic self is, is so life-giving. Amen. Stephen, thank you so much. What is your favorite thing about authenticity? Being free from hiding. Hiding has hurt my soul so deeply. I feel emotion when I even say this to you, Drew. But leaning into the authenticity, it's me honoring that I believe God made me strong and capable. And I get to feel that. Authenticity is such a punch in the face of the lie that I make. And I love it. And guys, here at Husband Material, we are creating space where it's okay not to be okay, where men are outgrowing porn and I'm fine syndrome in the process. We're doing that online through Husband Material Academy. We're doing that at the Husband Material Retreat in Santa Barbara coming up in September. And one of our most powerful programs, which Stephen Thomas also leads, is our private small groups. They're great. And we set the culture that, hey, this is a place to show up authentically. And we actually know how painful and scary that can be. So we're going to help you. So this could be a great opportunity for those of you who feel like, hey, yeah, having a coach in my life would help me get some breakthrough in this area because I'm resonating deeply with this topic. And you get amazing examples from other men who are on the same journey. And as leaders, like we lead with our vulnerability. We bring our own healing journey to this process. So in these groups, we never ask you to do something that we are not going to do first. And honestly, when I went through the group with you, Drew, I love that. I love that you would share, oh man, something from one of your stories today has just been with me and I've been distracted because it's bringing up trauma in my own story. And getting that example was so wonderful. Um, I love groups that have leaders that lead with vulnerability I would almost encourage people to not do groups that don't have leaders that lead with vulnerability. Well, it's a very different type of leadership. We're being real. We're showing up with curiosity, compassion, courage, and celebration. And one of my favorite things about these groups is when we celebrate each other for the very things that we're ashamed of. Absolutely. Absolutely. So good. Yeah. And again, I've come to realize that healthy people have problems. So if people don't have problems, I see performance. And Stephen, isn't it amazing? When we see guys say things they've never told anyone before and receive connection and response. It's sacred space. It really is. Getting to cry, you know, getting to to experience even the victories that happen, like all that is sacred space. And I feel like it's such a privilege to one create that space for other men that they feel safe enough to open up and um, getting to be a participant on their healing journey. I just, it's the best thing ever, man. It's so good. 
It's amazing. So if you guys would like to connect with Stephen further, go to stephenthomasconsulting.com. That's right. Stephen with a P-H. Not a V. That's right. Awesome. And we've got links to everything in the description for this episode. Come join Stephen and I in Santa Barbara in September or maybe even one of our private small groups. Most of all, always remember, my friend, whether you're fine or not, you are God's beloved son and you, he is well pleased. Mm -hmm.